Hello, and welcome to The Unique CPA with your host, Randy Crabtree. The goal of our show is to keep you at the forefront of the changing face of public accounting by having conversations with fascinating leaders and bringing you their stories, insights, and advice. The Unique CPA podcast is brought to you by Trimerit, the specialty tax professionals. Today, our guest is Danny Shimamoto. Danny is the founder and managing director of Enterprise Technologies, which uh, technologies is not spelled like you think it was spelled. Maybe I'll have Donnie explain that to us, but I like the play on words with the Enterprise Technology. He also has uh, the Center for Accounting Transformation, which we'll be talking about probably quite a bit today. He's well recognized as a leader in this industry. You know, Accounting Today, top 100 multiple times, multiple times, and CPA practice advisor, thought leaders, CPA technology. Advisors 40 under 40, pretty much anything out there he's got an award or recognition from because he's a, a great guy and he honestly wants to help this profession. So, Donnie, welcome to the Unique CPA. Thanks, Randy. I'm honored to be here. I've seen your list of previous people and I was like, wow, that's you know, some people. So, <laughs> <laughs> that is. I, I honestly to say, how do I know these people? I don't understand why how this got to this point where I can call up pretty much anybody in this industry and, and they'll take my call. And if I want to be on the podcast, it just it boggles my mind. And you are on that list. So I appreciate you being here and saying that. So today, there's a few things we can go into. There's a few things we really want to start talking about. But let's go with your Center for Accounting Transformation. You have a, a tagline there or, or a mission statement. I don't know if that's technically what it is. But, but you're looking to, to help transform the accounting profession, the business world, making the world better, making the profession better with leading-edge tools and technologies. It's basically, you, you have this mission to make the world better. Um, and there's a few things within there I think we're going to want to talk about that today. But why don't you give us a little background on that, the Center for County Transformation, how this started or how your whole mission started and, and what your goal is. Sure, sure. So yeah, and you hit on it. Our goal is to improve the world. So that's why our URL is improvetheworld.net. Yeah. And it's a .net because we look at it as the network. And so we're creating the network of accountants and people that work and support with accountants. So one of the things we're trying to do is be very inclusive. Uh, if you look at a lot of like the state societies and associations, they kind of create this, well, if you're not a CPA, you can't play in the game. We believe that it's the CPAs and everyone that works with the CPAs and the vendors that provide the technology and the consultants that you know do everything. It, it takes all of us to really move everything forward. And that, that's really what we're trying to do is move everything forward. You know, part of our mission is not necessarily to convince people to change, but it's to help accelerate change and transformation for those that want to go through it. So uh, we're really trying to be a resource or maybe like a hub is a good way to think of it for people that want to uh, go through this transformation of the profession, which, you know, that also often gets a lot of question. So it's, I often describe it as it's a partly technology, which a lot of people know me originally as kind of a tech guy, Yep. but it's a lot of changes in business processes. Um, like you being in tax, we've, we've been doing a bunch of stuff around tax workflow and client portals and, and things like that. 
But then it's also changes in business practices. So adoption of value billing, creating relationships and networks, like you being a specialist, I'm a specialist in the technology and innovation area. So having especially smaller firms know who should they go to, who's who's you know really valid. Don't p- just pick up Joe or Jane Schmo off of the side of the street and be like, you're a tech person, let me work with you. And it's like, uh, we don't know, do we really want to trust our clients with just anybody, right? So right. finding other experts like ourselves that have different disciplines is kind of a part of what we're trying to do. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's, I kind of feel like I have a similar mission just from the standpoint that, uh, you know, I'm trying to educate the profession through this podcast in other ways. And and you're you're helping with that, which I think is awesome. So, with some of the things, and we can concentrate on a few that you're doing, but I think there was maybe two or three that we should probably go into today. And one of them is the whole this whole ESG. Can you explain what that is and then what you're doing with that as the center? Sure. So ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance Reporting. And it's it's really become it's really come to the fore in terms of public companies right now, which often will make uh, people think, well, you know, that's for big companies. And, you know, why do I need to pay attention to that? But when you look at what ESG is actually measuring or it's looking at, it's looking at a lot of what in accounting we would think of as the intangibles around a business. And when you look at not just the valuation on Wall Street, but even you know, you know, typical valuation, like business valuation. So when it affects small businesses, uh, the different areas within ESG actually play into you know the, the actual value of a business. <laughs> to give some examples, there's been a consolidation in the reporting frameworks under the SASB, so the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board. So it's it's getting to the point where just like we have financial reporting standards, there's going to be this ESG reporting standards and there's five major categories. So the environment, which is what most people think of when they hear sustainability, but it's also leadership and governance, business model and innovation, social capital, and then human capital or talent, which that, you know, everyone's talking about the war for talent right now. Oh, yeah. So I'm I'm not real familiar, so I, I appreciate the education, but I am not familiar, but I've talked to someone else on the podcast about being a B corporation. Is there any synergies between those or are they, you know, competing or working together? Do you know at all? So the the corporation, the B Corp or or Benefit Corp is it's sort of I, I think of that as it, it ties into the governance side because the, with the B Corp, the way you make decisions is supposed to be more for the overall benefit of the public rather than just the benefit of the shareholder, right? Because that's kind of the whole thing about the corporation is you're, it exists for the benefit of the shareholder. Right. All right. And so the B Corp is the, so look at you. I just threw a question out of the blue at you and you were able to, uh, you're able to tell us what a B Corp is. Cause I couldn't even tell you what the, I just know that it's out there. And and I know, I don't know if you're familiar with John Sensaba from Sensaba San Filippo, a CPA firm out of uh, California, but they I were, became a B Corp years ago. And, and now they have just a group in place to help 
advise companies on how to become a B Corp. So when you're out talking ESG, is this advice you're giving to companies on how to be within this ESG, how to be sustainable, how to have this government, how to uh, you know be good for the environment, everything? Are you advising on this or how, how are you guys uh, tying in with ESG? I would say right now we're, we're trying to educate. Okay. And that's the biggest piece is we're, because where people are seeing it, and again, they're kind of thinking, oh, that's a public company thing because you see the SEC starting to require sustainability reporting um, as part of it. But when you when you look at the different areas that is involved, if you actually use the sustainability areas as a way of, for example, analyzing decisions yep. and trying to come up with you know different uh, a more balanced decision, maybe, which for some people might bring up better balanced scorecard or, you know, because that that was the kind of, what was that, late 90s that kind of came out. Um, and then there was like conscious capitalism. And uh, I feel like there was one other movement that kind of was looking at this, like, it's not just about profit, right? Right. So all of these things kind of had their own way of looking at it. And some people are saying like, oh, well, ESG is kind of just that the next thing where his is just another one of these management frameworks. And the biggest difference I for my answer to that is no, because the intention on this is not necessarily just the uh, management decision making analysis. It's actually there's actually reporting yeah. that's tied into it and the standards for reporting, like I said, are tied to the SASB. So. This is this has gotten farther than these other movements in the past, if you wanted to say it's a movement. It's it's actually official reporting requirements now. Yeah. All right. So so this is great. Well, how's this relevant, you know, to CPA firms and the companies you work with? How do you equate the ESG to what you need to deal with them? So there's two really major areas, especially as we look at our accounting industry now. And one of those is cybersecurity, which actually falls under the social capital area of ESG. So there's two aspects under social capital. One is customer privacy. And that, you know, there's been a lot of talk about that, especially we didn't hear it as much this year, but the last two years oh, yeah. with everything that was going on, right? The Cambridge Analytica scandal and all that. And there's still a lot of criticism around all social media and what are they actually doing and right, stealing our data and selling it to other people. So there's that privacy aspect and then tied into that then is also data security. So that would be kind of one thing that I think firms really need to, especially as we go into busy season, right. like firms need to protect taxpayer information. Um, that's a big one. And then the other one is DE&I or diversity, equity, inclusion, which is tying back into this whole war for talent that's going on. And that's under the human capital area in ESG reporting. Well, let's expand on those. Let's expand on uh, cybersecurity first, because we are going into the tax season now. And, and it's extremely important. As tax professionals, we're dealing with a lot of very, you know, social security numbers and, and, and bank accounts and all this, whatever. And there's a lot of information that uh, we need to protect. And, and, you know, sending an email with someone's W-2 on it is probably not the best thing to do. Um, when we're talking cybersecurity going into this next tax season right now, what are things firms should be doing to make sure they're protecting themselves, their clients, and obviously their reputation? So th there's a lot out there on that, right? Um, but the, the core thing that we're finding that tax, especially smaller tax practitioners are missing, is having an actual information security policy 
and the associated, you know, having their cybersecurity technology mapped into that. So that's that's a gap that we actually just released um, some guidance and some um, we negotiated with some vendors to actually do some bulk purchasing because a lot of these vendors for the cybersecurity they want like a minimum of 25 people. And so their pricing is a minimum of 25. But we, under the Center for Accounting Transformation, went and said, you know what, we have a bunch of smaller firms that we work with. Can we do some type of group purchase? And so that's what we've arranged. But the the big thing that people are missing, and I don't know if everyone noticed when they were like renewing their PTINs and stuff, you actually have to check a box that said, I have a written information security plan and I'm actually enforcing that with all of my staff or even as a soul to say I'm doing it for myself. Right. And that's a piece that we've been talking to you when they're, they're like, oh, no, I didn't pay attention to that. <laughs> Is there a template? And it's been, they've been asking for years and years because I've been talking about cybersecurity probably at least 10 years now. They're like, is, is there a template? And I'm like, yeah, there's a template. It's from NIST. <laughs> it's designed for really big companies. Um, hopefully, eventually, there's going to be one for smaller. And that just never came out. So the other thing we worked on this summer was a, a, a template, one template for sole proprietors for an information security plan and another template for kind of what we call small office or home office, SOHO yep. is the word we use. We've created some template plans and we've actually mapped it to these technologies where we've negotiated these bulk purchases so that firms can actually be in compliance with the IRS um, it's publication 4557, as well as, you know, have that kind of that sense of uh, peace of mind that right. we really are protecting. We're not just kind of saying we are, we actually are protecting our clients' data. So the, this templates then, how, is, those, is this available to anybody? Is this available to people that are, are coming into this group purchase you did? What, how do how's these templates work? Yep, that's that's pretty much it. So usually what we are doing with this is we're is for uh, talking with people, kind of understanding what they already have in place, and then figuring out do they really just need the template? We of course we're se- we're selling it, but it's nowhere near you know normally if you were to hire an independent consultant to just write a template from you, and they're normally going to take one of these like NIST ones that's really heavy and designed for bigger, you're paying like ten fifteen thousand to get a policy written. Uh, instead, we're kind of reverse engineering it. We're like, here's the technologies that make sense for small firms, and we've written the template to kind of match that. So we've we've gotten the price down to uh, like a couple thousand instead. All right, because I'm I'm guessing there's a lot of people listening that think this is something I probably should do and haven't done, and so that's why I asked that because again. This episode, I'm almost certain, is going to come out right before tax season gets into full swing here. So I, I honestly, I want to, at the end, we'll make sure that people know how to reach out to you because this will be one peace of mind thing that they can get off their plate so they can concentrate on tax preparation and not be worried about these other things. So we'll talk about that at the end then. So I, I appreciate you bringing that up. All right. So we're going to try to give people peace of mind going into tax season with these types of things. Is there other things cybersecurity-wise that have happened recently that we should be aware of that maybe we're not and, and we should you know have some other policies or something in place? Yes, definitely. The, the other thing that's driving the need for the policy, and that, that's, this is partially why we decided, hey, we're not going to wait anymore for someone to come out with something. We're going to create something, is the FTC updated the 
safeguards rule, which this originally came out with Dodd-Franks. And it's when you look at it, a lot of it will say it's applying to financial institutions, which makes it sound like it's banking credit unions. Right. But there's two things that pull accounting firms into this definition of account, of financial institutions. And one of those is the handling of wires. So like if you're providing outsourced accounting to a client and you're doing wires for them, then you get pulled into this one. But the big one for tax is if you're preparing a tax return. Like okay. it literally says preparing a tax return. So there's no question of whether or not any tax preparers are covered under this rule. And the change that came out, so the change was actually published in December of 2001. And previously, um, people may know of it as the red flags rule, because that, that was kind of the term that was used when it first came out. It was a lot of like recommendations. The big change that came with this update last year was they switched from what was recommended to now there's like eight or nine things that are required. And uh, this is one of those where they didn't do a really good job of thinking about the different thinking of the fact that this was going to apply to small accounting firms. Yeah. So there's some requirements there around some reporting by. So if you're outsourcing your IT things, they, they need to provide reports to like it, in the in the rule that's written as the board or equivalent, which means then if there's multiple partners, it should be the partner group or the sole proprietor. Uh, and you actually need to identify what they call the, a qualified individual, meaning someone that understands this stuff and can determine whether or not every all the protections are in place and incidences are being handled correctly. So it was, it was really kind of like, whoa, they are, you know, asking a lot um, right. of, of a tax practitioner. So again, that's kind of why we jumped in and said, you know what, we, we better create the, so we created the policy. We're, we're in the process right now of actually writing up procedures that a partner or a practitioner could follow on their own and creating the templates for them to document how they've complied with these policies so that they don't get assessed fine and penalties if they were to have a data breach. So it's all based on a data breach. I mean, there's, there's all these rules out there then, and I have to comply with it. And so what, what you have in place then, it's a, a CYA. One, I'm going to do these things, but it's also now I can prove that I've done these things. So I'm I'm uh, I'm covering myself to make sure. Because that seems like a, I'm, and if I'm sitting here doing 40 tax returns a year and I there's these things out there, I got one thing you just made me realize, I got to stop doing my family's tax returns. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want I don't I don't have anything in place that I probably need to for this type of stuff and uh but that's what we're talking about is that yeah there's rules in place and you're going to help people make sure that they're following those yeah. rules in the step-by-step process to make sure that things are in place that are required to be in place. Yep. And luckily the um FTC pushed back so originally it was going into effect on December 9th which, you know, we're well past and I'm pretty sure no one's doing any of this stuff. Um, but that was again, why we were like, we we're like, we better create something because there's going to be a lot of people not in compliance with this. So it's been pushed back to June. Um, so after tax season, I've given a little bit of time and, you know, the reaction we normally hear to that is like, well, then I don't need to worry about it until after tax season. But actually <laughs> the biggest exposure point is during tax season because you're so busy trying to get through stuff. You're not checking your links. You're not doing all this stuff. 
So we're telling everyone, you know, even if you don't fully roll out the policy, at least get the technology side in place before tax season, because it's just that one additional layer, because you don't want to deal with the data breach during tax season. And the last two years, we've seen the most data breaches ever. And it's because of everyone working from home and all the phishing scandals and like the bad actors are just out there right now fishing for stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's good advice. So I'm, I'm glad that, uh, that, that we've got this out there. I think let's go to the one last thing then and, and, and wrap it up. But the, 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 the third thing that we talked about, or the, the second thing, I guess, under the ESG was the DNI and how that ties into it. So you want to expand on that some? Sure. So that, that I think it, ties into the people aspect of what we're trying to do. And it seems like everybody's trying to find staff. And so a, a big portion of retaining staff is that they feel like they're part of a firm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the inclusion, right? DE&I, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And the I also like to tie in the concept of belonging. So I often will with diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, because like it. it's the inclusion and belonging when a staff member feels like they're a part of the firm, they're a part of the team, I belong here, that's when they're not thinking like, well, is there something better on the other side? Is there, you know, could I get more money somewhere else? Like with all this recession and everything oh, yeah. kind of looming. You know, that's that that feeling of belonging can keep people out of firm rather than having them them change. And there seems to be a lot of people, like especially larger firms, going after staff in previously remote areas because now they're allowing them to work remote. Right. Yeah, I've heard that quite a bit. I'm, I can get I can get uh, New York wages while living in wherever, you know, mm-hmm. a small mm-hmm. rural community somewhere that, uh, yeah. There's no geographical limitations uh, to hiring employees for the most part, it seems, at least in our profession. So they're working on that. So so educated on that, then are you doing this through webinars and podcasts or are you out consulting on it or all the above? That uh, literally almost all of the above. So our focus right now, again, is on the education piece. And what we're doing is we're identifying the consultants that are actually working in this area and uh, this is another one, kind of like we were talking on the ESG, where people go, well, that, you know, that's big companies because right. I'm my little two, three person firm. Can I really have diversity? And the answer on that might not be yes, but can you embrace practices that create inclusion and belonging? The answer to that is definitely yes. Yes. All right. Well, that's awesome. All right. So I love those the aspects that we talked about. Uh, one thing, last thing I want to talk about, because uh, you and I have been talking about this a little, and I think we're going to look to do a uh, something together on this, is the personal resilience, the mental health, that aspect of the world, but our industry as well. How are you working with that? Yeah, right. well, that's one I'm, I'm glad to have you to partner with on this. And we've lined up a couple of others in there. Uh, you know, as I kind of think about what we were just talking about, a lot of this is like, watch out for these things in busy season. So watch out for cyber, watch out for staff turnover. Yep. And then the last one, though, if, if people are staying is watch out for that burnout. Oh, yeah. Right. Watch out that you're not overloading people or you yourself. And I, and I think that's the really powerful message. Because with the staff turnover, the partners, right, whoever the, and the firm owner ends up taking on the brunt of some of the coverage. 
And I know you've had some health issues in the past. Yep. I actually have, have just gone through, I had like shingles and I, I just had COVID. And part of that, I think, was because I wasn't taking care of, my, of myself physically. So yep. I was, my immunity was down. Uh, so this, this is a very real risk, I think, to firm owners themselves. So we're trying to actually pull together, again, kind of directory of resources and education uh, around what are people's options. So you've got someone, I think, that um, I can't remember her name that had Courtney a- Durandi is, uh, she's done a presentation like back to back with me. And she talks about basically how to best utilize your time. Full focus system is what she uses. And so, yeah, those are the types of resources you're looking to accumulate to help people, right? Yeah, so we've got Courtney lined up for that um, and a couple of others that have those types of systems. We've been talking to a bunch of coaches, like executive coaches type, yep. that help people just really think through and prioritize and really look kind of like, how do I actually rebalance my life in this sense? Awesome. And then the the last thing that we got, which is actually the thing that I'm I'm most excited to see come out, is we've I've been working with a, a psychologist, a licensed psychologist, and helping him to understand. I've, I had him talk to a bunch of CPAs that have gone through kind of burnout and some of them that have stayed and some of them that have decided, hey, I'm not going to do accounting anymore. And so he started to create a counseling model for, I, I'm going to put air quotes around accountants in crisis, yeah. uh -huh. where if oh, yeah. you really are at that point and you're having like, you feel like you're having like, um, I don't want to say mental breakdown, hopefully no one's at that point, but you're you're really burning out and you feel it that you, there's an actual counselor that you can talk to that understands what our industry is like and what we're dealing with. Yeah, it's we have a personality that tends to, as accountants in general, a personality that tends to think we need to help everybody. And by doing that, we always think we can outwork our to-do list. And we, if we just work harder and we work longer, and then we forget about the fact that that just is going to take a toll on us, both physically and mentally, that I, I love that idea that accountant and crisis counselor are out there available. Unfortunately, it's a... It's a big deal. I, I've been doing this mental health presentation, and every time I do it, I have multiple people come up to me afterwards, basically talking about the burnout. But as you said, hopefully nobody's at that mental crisis stage. I've had plenty of people come up to me that are at that or in that stage already. And so anything I can do to help that not happen, and you have the same mindset, I think that is awesome. And when I think it's like you just said, I, I think it's important that we talk about it. Yep. That's one of the biggest things, you know, it's, it's almost like the whole, uh, the badge of honor with the billable hour. And it's like, no, like we need to take care of, we can't take care of our clients or our family or our friends or anybody if we don't take care of ourselves. Yep. No, that's completely it. And I agree with you on the, that's one of the things I do in my presentation is like, you know, stop selling hours, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. find a better way to, to build and a better way to build a relationship with your clients. And, and uh, I know that's something that you, you talk about as well. Yeah. Well, and, and we've got, we've actually got Michelle Golden, or I should say River. I yeah. just call her by her, her former name. We've got Michelle River involved with our center too. So she has a course there on on doing the, uh, she calls it advanced building rather than value building. But right. that's why it's this, it's this mix of what we're trying to do of 
of different technologies, different business practices, all to drive the and improve the profession as a whole. Yeah, well, I love what you're doing with the center. I love the fact that you're trying to make this a better profession. Uh, I think that's awesome because uh, I'm a little concerned with the lack of people going in and the lack of people staying in uh, and other things happening that, that, that and just that you know we could be a little bit in a crisis mode before long if we're not already. So, so anything that uh, that you're doing that people can reach out to, I think that's great. Any last thoughts on on what we talked? about or anything i missed you want to add in no i i would just summarize again you know these are all things that they really you need to think about as you're going into busy season so secure down those systems get the technology and policies in place to kind of see why a like you said because this is the risk period yep. think about your people and let's prevent all that burnout this this busy season I agree with that completely. All right. So one last question that everybody has to answer before they leave the show is, uh, you know, we talked about all the stuff that you're doing, which is awesome stuff. And and hopefully you're taking care of yourself more than you said you, you just mentioned you may not have been taking the best care of yourself. How about outside of work passions? What do you do that you enjoy when you're not trying to make the world better? <laughs> For me, it's I'm a foodie. Yeah. So that's where, especially now being in Vegas, you know, so many great food and so many opportunities. I was sad I missed you at Quick Whisk Connect. Yeah, I was hoping to see you. But, the, you know, everyone comes through. And so that's my thing. Come and I'll, I'll take you to some off strip into yeah. different restaurants that we can check out. So. I have an opportunity to go to Vegas in January, and that's about the time this show is going to come out. As of now, I haven't committed, but now you're starting to make me think I at least got to go in for one night. There's a conference there that I usually go to that I was going to skip this year and just uh, send a couple other people to. But I'll let you know uh, if I'm coming because we'll I'll definitely take you up on that, that foodie aspect of things. Although I need to slow down on my food a little bit, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, all right. So this is honestly, you have so much great information and I'm hoping people are going to want to find out more. If they do, how do people get a hold of you? Go to the website, the email address. What's the best place to look up more on Donnie in the companies? The easiest one to find me is, uh, is always LinkedIn. And I also push a lot of um, articles and information out, not just stuff that I'm writing, but stuff that I find. Um, I pushed uh, your podcast out several times, like come and listen to this. So I always hope people connect with me on LinkedIn. It's Donnie Shimamoto, uh, or my email is Donnie at intraprise.us. Intra with an A, intra. Yeah, yeah. got it, Price. All right, and they can find <laughs> You can Google search and you'll find Donnie. Believe me, I did that this morning. He pops up all over the place. So, all right. Again, I appreciate this. Uh, I was really, you and I, I think, rescheduled once or twice. Probably my fault. I'm glad we got it in today. I had a great conversation. I enjoyed it a lot. So thank you, Donnie. Enjoyed it as well. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on The Unique CPA. You can find all the links and show notes for today's episode, as well as more about TriMerit, at theuniquecpa.com. Remember to subscribe and join us for our next episode where we'll be going beyond compliance into forging new pathways of delivering value to your clients, diversifying your revenue streams, and leading edge management techniques and styles.